Yes, I did it. I killed Yvette. I hated her so much. It, it, the, it flamed, flames, flames on the side of my face. Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. So what's your name, Icy? Stuntman Mike. Stuntman Mike's your name. You ask anybody. Hey, Warren, who is this guy? Stuntman Mike. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? We are the knights who say... No, not the knights who say me. The same. Take this thing out of the case and stick it up your nose. Don't worry, it's self-guiding. But I know you don't want to be here forever. You know, I got things I want to do in my life. Wayne. You got red on you. Statistical fact. Cops will never pull over a man with a huge bomb in his car. Why? They fear this man. They know he sees farther than they. And he will bind them with ancient logics. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where we bring back the snowball, uh, because Arthur Gordon is out of state currently and has the soundboard and microphones with him, but we are so glad to be here talking about a little Arnold Schwarzenegger film called The Last Stand. It's all about the Alamo, um, turns out, but uh, we'll talk more about that here in a few moments. Before we do that, we need to do some introductions. To my left, ma'am, if you would. My name's Alexander Bohannon, and next time, don't you park in the fire zone. Oh, good, good advice always. Uh, to my right, sir, if you would. My name is Dalton Stewart, and... I am Arthur Gordon, and you are looking at a 28-year-old man with high cholesterol who just ordered a bacon cheddar omelet with extra cheddar. Do I look like I'm afraid of dying? And my name is Dustin Sells, and I only do this podcast under two conditions. One of which is that you make me a uh, deputy. What's the other one? Uh, what? Oh, uh, the, I, I get to keep Georgette. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, so we are so glad to uh, be here talking about this film. Now, to warn you, dear listener, this is not a review show. It's an analysis show. And that means we are going to spoil all the secrets where uh, Arnie and Luis Guzman walk into the sunset hand in hand. Um, that's going to happen. That would be a much better film. That would be actually. a better film. I just realized we should do this with a little more pomp and circumstance. This is our first episode of the new year. It is. Happy New Year. All dying sign and all that. Unless you count our awards show, but I mean... Our it first... was recorded before the new year. Yeah, this is our first proper episode. Hi guys, welcome back. Missed you. Welcome to 2015. The year of Back to the Future Part 2. Yes, and I the Cubs will win the World Series. Make the bet now. Yes. I heard that NPR article on the way over here. It's very interesting. Hoverboards, man. So, without any further ado, we'll move into our quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. Arthur's not here, but he has provided us uh, with his uh, sound, and so we can start with his synopsis, and then we'll go right into his thumbs up, thumbs down review. Arthur, if you would, sir. The leader of a drug cartel busts out of a courthouse and speeds to the Mexican border, where the only thing in his path is a sheriff. And his inexperienced staff. 
You know what? This is a really interesting film, in my opinion. Um, I really not sure what I think about this. It is, it is a mess. Gosh, it's a mess. Um, but I think it's meant to be, and I'm going to get into that a little later. Um, you know, the casting here is weird. Uh, with Whitaker and with uh, Louis Guzman, uh, Arnold, uh, it's just an odd casting. And Johnny Knoxville, you know, they're all just kind of oddly used, out of place. It's just a weird casting. The cast themselves aren't bad. It's just the characters that they're given to work with. It's just weird uh, to see. Um, also, the you know, I don't really have a problem with the script. But its delivery and performances are really, really bad. You know, it hits a lot of those cliche action moments and points. Uh, it has very paint-by-numbers plotting. Uh, but the big thing is um, it's very stylish. It's almost too stylish. And that, coupled with the product placement here from Chevy, uh, makes it feel like a two-hour Chevy commercial. Which is very interesting. But I think it's good intentions. And this will kind of tie in with my analysis more later. Uh, why I think it has good intentions. But I think ultimately it's it's forgettable. You know, Arnold's done better. The director here, uh, Kim Ji-Woon. Who's uh, probably most notable for um, I Saw the Devil. Uh, which is kind of his, I think, big film that some people may know him by, uh, which I have not seen, but I've heard enough about. Um, it's kind of a uh, adored film, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, so I, I, I see, you know, that he's done better. And so this is just, it's a really interesting film for a lot of reasons. Uh, but on the surface, it's shallow as all get out. And I think that hurts it uh, from succeeding in what I think it's doing. And so, with that in mind, I give this um, about four and a half rolled Chevy uh, Corvettes uh, out of eight. Quite erudite, isn't it? Well, all right, there you go. You hear what Arthur said, thumbs up, thumbs down wise. What say you, Dolphin Stewart? Listener, I feel like at this point you should know that I am something of an action film connoisseur. So I like them a lot. I like the bad ones sometimes. This is not one of the bad ones that I like. Was Bad Boys 2 your selection? No, that was Arthur's pick. I'm not wild about Bad Boys 2 either. I am a fan of Ninja and Ninja 2, Shadow of a Tear, starring Scott (laughs) Adkins, who is a a direct-to-video action movie god. Colin, Shadow of a Tear. Yeah, so my pedigree in bad action film is, is, is well, you know, founded. Uh, and good action film. You know, I can talk all day about The Matrix and how the staging uh, of the action set pieces tell you a lot about the world and Neo. The staging of the action fil- of the action scenes in this film um, border on lazy and poorly shot and edited and just fucking awful. Which is unfortunate because um, the, the director of this film is a Korean director whose name escapes me at the moment. Uh, but who's really well respected, especially for his film um, I Saw the Devil which is, you know, really, really well lauded uh, among, you know, crime people and horror people and action people. It's kind of a a genre mix-up. 
Um, I'm, I'm not wild about this movie, guys. I really I wanted to like it, but it just thinks the audience is so very, very, very dumb and goes out of its way to tell you things that it's already shown you and then goes ahead and tells you them. Now, you know, the, the oft-cited thing being show, don't tell, they just go ahead and do both, which is really strange. I, I feel like they got a lot of studio notes. Mm. They just said, mm, tell, tell us please. I'm just disappointed with it. I mean, Arnold's fine, you know. He, he Considering he hasn't, uh, he hadn't rather led a film in over ten years uh, when this was filmed and then released. He does, he puts in good work, uh, you know, doing his shtick. Um, Johnny Knoxville is completely underutilized. Um, I mean, if you're going to get Johnny Knoxville, use him because he's he's fun. Um, I like the guy quite a bit actually, uh, and some of the things he's done. It's just a real disappointment. Um, the couple of the car chases were pretty cool. Um, the the big shootout is just bad. It's just bad. It's not very interesting. Um, they play a couple of the things in it for laughs, which I'm fine with, but they weren't particularly funny. And I don't know, it just rubbed me the wrong way. It was trying too hard to be a modern western and failed miserably, and that was kind of a bummer. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Donald Stewart. Let's say you, Miss Alexandra Bohannon. I would say that it's mostly uninteresting film. I love Arnold. Arnold is... He's a hero of mine. I'm just going to straight out and tell you, he's a hero of mine. But at the same time, heroes of yours can still do really bad stuff. Correct. The greatest feeling you can get in a gym or the most satisfying feeling you can get in the gym is the pump. Let's say you train your biceps. Blood is rushing into your muscles and that's what we call the pump. Your muscles get a really tight feeling, like your skin is going to explode any minute. You know, it's really tight. It's like somebody blowing air into, into your muscle. It just blows up and it feels different. It feels fantastic. It's as satisfying to me as uh, coming is, you know, as uh, having sex with a woman and coming. So can you believe how much I am in heaven? I'm like uh, getting the feeling of coming in the gym, I'm getting the feeling of coming at home, I'm getting the feeling of coming backstage when I pump up, when I pose out in front of 5,000 people, I get the same feeling. So I'm coming day and night. I mean, it's terrific, right? <laughs> so, you know, I'm in heaven. Yes, Arnold is a hero of mine, and that being said, it's really sad seeing him in a role that I don't even think they utilize Arnold, to be honest. Like, they have this... I mean, they, it just goes from the FBI guys over to Arnold, and Arnold, Arnold's character isn't very interesting. The whole movie isn't very interesting. He's the sheriff. Yeah. I mean... That's all you need to know. That's yeah. all you need to know. Well, he tells you so. Yeah, I'm, I'm, the, the, sheriff. I'm the sheriff. I'm the sheriff. Yeah. His one-lines aren't even that great. I'd say the, the fire, fire lane... lane. Yeah. Uh, that was probably the best one. Of course, they save it for the end of the movie. Uh, spoiler, not spoiler. Last, we all saw it coming. The last right. line of the movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, putts. Yeah, no, schmuck, schmuck. Yeah. I mean, Dalton's quibbles were super valid about the uh, continuity and the cutting of the film. And I would even say that just some of the plot points don't make sense. Please, please... Tell me about Federal Death Row. Anybody tell me about Federal Death Row? That's why they're transferring him in the beginning of the movie. Well, yeah, I mean, you gotta... It's a thing, it exists. Yeah, and they don't always do it where you're being held at. Um, or if you've been put on Federal Death Row, then they have to transfer you to the facility that you will be, you know, serving time on Death Row leading up to your execution. Um, so, I mean, I, 
I don't know. Prison transfer itself is not a terrible plot line. No, but, oh man, there's a lot of Well, and the fact that he, um, the whole electromagnet saving sequence. But the thing is, is like... Uh, Okay, I was going to talk about that. That's the one good action scene in this movie, actually. But it's stupid. Yeah, but... It's very dumb, but it's the only well-shot action scene in this movie. But the fact that he goes from that save at the beginning to the end where he's being towed, and he's, what is that, just like a... A piece of rope. Like a bungee cord, yeah. He, he couldn't get out of that, but well, he, he orchestrated one of the greatest escape sequences in the entire film. He had been stabbed in the leg and probably had his back fractured. And, and probably had to move fast enough to keep up with the car and wouldn't yeah. have time to. But still, dogs. yeah, it's yeah. dumb. It's dumb. 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 This whole movie is dumb. And again, you know, I want to point out there are plenty of good dumb action movies. Yes. Um, yes. Universal Soldier colon Regeneration. I don't know. The one with Scott Atkins. Um, there's good, bad action movies. A lot of them are streaming. Some of them star Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. This is not one of them. Yeah. No. By a long shot. Honestly, whenever I thought we got this film to do, I thought we were going to watch, we were watching what I learned later was Sabotage and not The Last Stand. Yeah. Well, we would have watched Sabotage. The whole theme of this month, listener, is films that none of us have seen. We want to we wanna try and bring fresh perspectives on things and have no opinions going in. Uh, but I had already watched Sabotage, so that was out, so we went with The Last Stand. And Sabotage is also not good, but it's much better than this. Yeah. All right, well, thank you very much, Ms. Bohan, and I will echo my co-host. This movie is terrible. It is... N- oh, my gosh. It's, I mean, and, and to go back to the, uh, the stupid magnet scene, you cannot use a magnet on a crane without being noticed, um, A... By the federal, um, you know, investigators who are going to be checking the entire line of uh, of transport uh, to move the prisoner. You can't have that there without anybody noticing. A and B, you can't pick up a van and put it up on top of another building. It's going to fall off. It's too dangerous. It, it was. It, it's just ridiculous. That and I don't believe um, commercially sold cars are that fast. So no, they're, they're not faster than airplanes, although it is supposed to be a show car. And they go out of your way, their way to remind you several times that it is a Chevrolet Corvette SR. Yeah, they're, they're, they're big on the product pro- or whatever, as Arthur said. Uh, yeah, yeah, I have to, uh, on our text message for this group about the our, this film, Arthur was like, how about best product placement in an entire film for our game today? That's not our game, but it, it would have been. This would have won, I think. The, the finale is a Chevy Camaro racing a Chevy... Corvette, yeah, it's it's real. Chevy put a lot of money into this movie. Yeah, and and, and it shows. And so yeah, it's a mess. Uh, the acting is just crazy. Uh, the weird accent of the uh, the main Texan bad guy, Peter Stormare. Yeah, Peter Stormare, like going between his natural Russian accent and it's, then deciding he's a Texan. Yeah, I thought so he was supposed bad. to be Hispanic. Oh, no. You mean the main drug dealer? Yeah. Oh, no, he is. Oh, he We're is. talking about Peter Stormare with the, the old the, the, guy, the cowboy guy. The, the, guy oh. that, the guy that led the... Uh, the bridge building. The bridge builders, yeah. Yeah. And he's terrible. Uh, Louis Guzman. Also in Bad Boys 2. Uh, yes. I did it, too. Luis Guzman is, yeah. is awful. Lu- I mean, Luis Guzman. It is awfully used. Arthur? Arthur? Luis Guzman. Okay. But nonetheless, uh, it's 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 just wow. It's super wow. Uh, that's all I have to say yeah. about that. Wow, in in, in the worst kind of way. And in the so, worst kind of way. I, I did not have a good time watching it. Both times I watched it. That's how dedicated you I watched am to Dear Listener. I did. Why? Because I'm a good person. Wait, you're supposed to watch these twice? No, I don't either. I never got like my membership card to the Good Trash Genre Cast to tell me that I'm supposed to watch every film twice. No, that's just Dustin. Sometimes uh, I have to watch them once to see what happens, and then I have to see what's <clears> going on. 
Oh, I getcha. And that was one where I was mostly just going, this is happening, oh my gosh, now this is happening, oh my gosh, now what's happening? And then I'm like, okay, now that I know the stupidity, maybe I can actually break out some of the pieces. Um, but, yeah, it's bad. Arnie's bad. Um, he's channeling um, Danny Glover in the worst kind of way. And uh, How do you feel, Sheriff? Old. Old. That. Uh, I know. Just all the time. And, and why you should not be making movies. But anyway, moving right along. There you go, dear listener. Now you know our biases, and uh, we are certainly biased. But that does not matter a whole lot when it comes to analysis and uh, there can be a whole lot to be said about a film, even when it is disliked universally uh, by your co-hosts. So let's begin with you, Arthur Gordon. What say you in terms of analysis? I think what Kim Ji-Woon is doing with The Last Stand is very interesting. Now, there are a couple of things I want to look at that blend together. It's not a case of talking about one thing so I can talk about something else. I think these things kind of tie together. What's Interesting. There are three uh, key elements that we need to keep in in mind here. I think, maybe maybe four. Uh, the first is Schwarzenegger himself and what he represents in cinema. Uh, the second is the product placement here because the product placement here is very blatant, uh, but it's a very interesting product being sold to us in Chevrolet. Uh, the third thing I think that is important is this rule. A setting that we get in this group of characters that we're introduced to, including Louis Guzman and um, Johnny Knoxville and the other two, Lady Sif, I can't think of her name, uh, but she's Lady Sif and Thor. Uh, and they, they combine to form this very incompetent, small-town police force, very, very Three stoogy type of police force. And uh, the fourth thing that I think is important um, is this dynamic that's going on in the film between big city and small city. All right. Now, those are four elements. Schwarzenegger, the action star. Schwarzenegger is important to action cinema. Uh, in the 80s, in the early 90s, he was, he was huge. And he did some comedy, but his action was what people wanted. Commando and Terminator and uh, so on and so forth. People wanted Schwarzenegger to blow crap up, and he's good at doing that. And so we get that, and we see some of that meta-narrative here uh, in moments with Ray, the character who uh, Ray went to, LA, went to L.A., and he did some things, you know, and it's recognized that he is an immigrant who had went to L.A. to try and get uh, to accomplish this goal and this dream, uh, echoing what Schwarzenegger would do in real life. And so that's very important, I think, to keep in mind. The idea of the Chevrolet is very important, but I'm going to come back to that. Uh, the next thing that small town, uh, big town, uh, small town, big town dynamic, the rural urban dynamic, I think is very important. I pick up on this when uh, Whitaker is talking to uh, Schwarzenegger on the phone, and when he hangs, uh, Schwarzenegger hangs up on him, and uh, Whitaker says something about him being a small town cop. It kind of blows him off and, and insults him, and I think that's very important because of what uh, Kim Ji Woon is doing uh, as a director with this film. Because I think what this film is doing is running a commentary on uh, action cinema and the people who watch it. Um, because the people who watch it, this type of cinema, is the everyman. It is the kind of small town, working class uh, person. Maybe, I'm not trying to be insulting when I say this, maybe the education, uh, they don't go as far as something. You know, I'm not saying... Everybody can't enjoy action films because I think we all enjoy action films at some level in certain 
and different ones and different directors and different action stars. You know, I'm not saying that, but typically these types of movies, I think, bring out a very certain audience. And I, I'm not trying to be insulting when I say that, but I think it's true. And um, kind of a working class audience, the everyman, uh, uh, ladies who uh, they're not really into movies, they like action film. You know, that's what they'll watch with their boyfriends or on dates. You know, action movies are kind of a um, everyman film because it kind of can uh, relate to or attract all types of audiences typically. And so I think that's very important to keep in mind with the small town, big town dynamic because all of the things going on in here um, are things that are usually targeted to rural or working class every person uh, type of uh, demographics. The other thing um, is the product placement. And I think the product placement here reinforces that idea of the ur the rural and urban because we are uh, being sold the Chevrolet. Chevy is made in the heartland. It is solid as a rock, heartland type of vehicle. Farmers, uh, trucks. Chevy is synonymous with trucks as well as you know sports cars. But the Chevy is a very I think rural country heartland type of vehicle. That's what you think of when you think of Chevrolet. You don't think of big cities. You don't think of, you know, foreign affairs. You think of probably working class, a working people. And I think it's very important that Chevy is brought to the forefront here. And I think it's very important that it is as blatant as it is. I think that's very uh, key to what's happening here. Uh, the other thing that I think is important is this, uh, the rural setting that we get here in uh, Lower California or Nevada, I, I can't even remember right now, uh, but it's a very rural setting, and the football team is the big deal in town, and everybody's about to go celebrate the team as they go five hours away for a football uh, game, and the sheriff, Arnold Schwarzenegger, decides to stay in town. And um, we're introduced to this group of characters, and it's it's mostly his uh, deputy staff. It's his, it's his police force. They're all... Uh, very everyman. They're all very small town. They're all very uh, unique. They're very um, quirky. And they, they're they just kind of funny. They're very incompetent, too. And I think that's interesting. Um, because we have this very incompetent small town police force uh, mirrored and paralleled with this you know very, very cohesive, mechanical FBI. And you see that dynamic. And the FBI fail, and their their mechanical kind of, you know, methods don't work for them. While the small town rural area, uh, their little incompetent staff actually pull this off and stop uh, this bad guy from getting to Mexico. And I think that's interesting that this played out. But what I I'm what I'm really trying to go for here is that all of these things are working together to present a commentary on American action cinema and how bad it has gotten all right the blatant uh, commercialism the blatant product placement here i think harkens back and it, it it points fingers at the stuff that will smith's doing and it points fingers at the stuff that sony's producing because i am legend and i robot and all of these major films uh with will smith and a lot of sci-fi films do this there's a lot of product placement and i think uh our director is, is pointing that out and he's he's placing that in our minds he's he's pushing this this chevrolet on he's pushing this product on us because that's what american action cinema does it tries to sell us stuff 
Now, mostly American axiom is very subtle, but here, um, but here, Kim Ji Woon um, is just shoving in his face. And what's interesting with the movie is it's very stylized. A lot of the dialogue and the performances are very wooden. They're just not well delivered. And it reminds you of a car commercial. And I think that's important because I think he's making this argument about the commercialism of American cinema and how it is trying to sell stuff and how it is about making money. And I think, you know, it's... By the last act of this film, it gets very absurd. And I think... It's it's almost cartoonish because we see Louis Guzman get blown up and he just walks out with his, his shirt smoking. And it's something you would see in a, in a parody, you know, something Mel Brooks would do, or something you'd see in a cartoon. This is Bugs Bunny material right here that we see with Louis Guzman. And I think that Kim Ji-Woon is putting this in here to just really emphasize what American action cinema does and how it does it as wrong as it does. Because this is a guy that has directed some very action-packed, ultra-violent films and has received critical acclaim and cult acclaim for it. And I think he comes here and he takes this project and he takes the biggest action star of the last three or four decades in Arnold Schwarzenegger and he puts him front and center and he recalls and he brings up his past and he says, look, I've got your action star, okay, this is a guy that you developed an entire genre on almost. And, you know, this is what you've turned his film into. This is what you've turned his work into, a parody of itself. And I think that is what uh, this movie is trying to do more than anything. It's, it's trying to show how far action cinema has gotten from its roots and how bad it has gotten. You know, it shows, he's showing us the audience for this type of movie. The, the the police force that Schwarzenegger has working for him with Knoxville and Lady Sif and um, Louis Guzman, those, those are the people that would go watch this movie. They would get off from their job, from their shift, go, you know, crack a couple of beers and go watch this movie. That's what those people would do. That is the target audience for this movie. And... The director's pointing that out for us right here. And he's showing us everything that's going wrong with action cinema. And that it's just kind of absurd and it is cartoonish and it's just gotten off track. And it's so focused on selling us stuff and not presenting anything of merit and depth. And I think it's a very, very interesting idea that he's presenting here. And it kind of parallels with something like Dread, which came out a few years ago with Carl Urban. Um, not the Stallone version, but the Urban version. I think this parallels nicely with that film. And I think they both have similar messages. I think Dread is kind of a love letter to action cinema of uh, the 90s and the 80s. And I think Dread uh, is highlighting that. And I think what... The Last Stand is doing, it's looking at the action films post-Schwarzenegger's peak and post-Stallone's peak. It's looking at all that and it's saying, what have you become? What has action become? 
because it is just a joke now. It is so absurd. It is so cartoony that it's not even worth the time of day anymore to watch. And so that's what I've got for you. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff happening here. I don't think it pulls it off as well as it would hope. It gets lost, I think, in translation. But I think it's it's a valiant effort. Yes, Arthur, I agree. The action film is in a bad place. Um, and maybe, maybe this will be the wake-up call that gets him out. I move on now. Ms. Alexander Bohanna, what say you? So after hearing Arthur Gordon's piece about his meta interpretation of the state of the action film... I basically wanted to talk to you, dear listener, <laughs> briefly about the state of Arnold, as it were. Basically, as Dalton pointed out earlier, he, when this was released, this is his first um, top-billed film in the past ten years. Since I mean, Terminator 3. Right. Yeah. He did the, a lot of those ensemble pieces, looking at you, Expendables. Yeah. And, you know, Some when cameos I, and stuff. Exactly. I, he was apparently around the world in 80 days. I did not know in that. In 2004. I, I mean, I just looked at his filmography. That's Good to know. I, I said that. But basically, Arnold's evolution as a action, action film star has really changed over the course of his career. Obviously, that's what actors do is they... He sticks around. <laughs> he does. But Arnold's evolution as an actor kind of reflects the stages of man. I mean, going he started out in his career as this hot, hot-blooded action film sex god. And going throughout the course of his career, when you get to a film like this and The Expendables... Those films are all like, oh, look at all these old action movie stars doing their action movie thing. But it's acknowledged the fact that they are paternal father figures, grandfather figures, even. All we're going to do is make a movie about how old we are, how stupid it is we keep punching people. That exactly. Bad, that was a bad Stallone. It was a, it was oh, bad. I thought you were trying to be Arnold. No, that yeah, was a, that's that was how a, bad it was. That was a bad Stallone. I'm sorry. I just... I mean, the thing that kind of keyed me into this reading was the line that he said, or you said earlier, how old, how are you, Sheriff? Old. That is kind of the summary of this film. I'm too old for this shit. I'm too old for this shit. I'm too old for this. You go first. I'm really too old for this. Oh, you go first. Boy, I'm too old for this shit. Not for me, you're not sure. I'm too too old old for this this shit. shit. You're getting too old for this shit. I'm too old for this shit, too. We're We're not not too old for this shit. We're not, not too, too old for this shit. Say like you believe it. We're, We're not, not too old for this shit. Yeah. He moves out of L.A. doing something presumably that kicked ass once. Um, you know, he stopped being the governor to return to action films where he is now the, you know, this kind of older, washed up kind of guy. But at the same time has a lot of respect for, I mean, his place in action cinema and, and in blockbuster film. Yeah, exactly. So... Basically, he he gives up that kind of bigger, you could say he gives up that bigger Hollywood life to, you know, go be the governor of California. Then he returns to film, and he's, he's returned now in a place that he wasn't whenever he left. Yeah. He can't really he's be that. He's not a hot commodity anymore. He can't be that sex god that he was, because as soon as I saw him on screen, I'm like, well, I know who's not going to get any action this film in that department, and it's going to be Arnold. And who would have thought that 20 years ago? He would have been the action. He would have been the one kissing the He's hot the one cop. that gets the broad at the end. Yeah, right? exactly. Not anymore. Not anymore. With that obligatory 80s sex scene, right? Exactly. Yeah. 
So I, I hate to say how much I miss the days of Conan and Total Recall and Terminators, but we are going to see um, how he fares in Genesis. Genesis, I think, is what we've decided on. Okay, for oh the next Terminator installment. Which is also about him being old. Yeah. It, it but it's also of, got uh, Daenerys Targaryen, Mother of Dragons, so fuck yeah. So it kind of harkens back to, you guys saw Indy 4, right? Yeah, for sure. You know how Harrison Ford was doing the exact same shtick, like, oh, I'm so old, and blah, 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 yeah. too old to be doing this, and he would actually, you know, quote, mess up on the stunts, because he's not as a, not a spring chicken like he used yeah. to be. And... I never really thought about this in terms of actors. Of course, I always interpret film as, well, when women like Katherine Heigl and Meg Ryan get old, they can't be the rom-com leads anymore. They just kind of fall off the face of the map, and then they kind of pop back up as Dame Judi Dench's and Her- Helen Mirren's were the kind of maternal... I don't think Katherine Heigl well, is okay, going to be I'm, J- Dame Judi Dench. I'm not, going, I'm not putting them the they, same. They, you never know. They take, they take a break for ten years until they get old enough to play matronly figures. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's Unless kind they of, figure out something interesting to do with their career. Which is a whole other problem with Hollywood scripting. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. But, but anyway. But my point is to kind of roll with that is they do the same thing for their male action movie stars because this is still the kind of male version of that. Well, it's yeah. it's something that's interesting to me uh, is this place that action cinema has taken. Um, Alex, you kind of commented on uh, Arnold's status as a, you know, as a, a sexy guy uh, in his early career. Action heroes don't look like Arnold and Sylvester Stallone. They're not buff guys anymore. They're in shape, uh, but they're much more uh, slight in their build usually. Uh, Matt Damon uh, in the Bourne yeah. movies. Yeah, Bourne, Christian Bale as Batman. Of, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, we're, we're not looking at hunk, the hulky guys anymore for the action leads, uh, typically. The biggest guy in the movie is usually one of the bad guys. Uh, and then our more skilled life guy has to fight the big buff guy uh, and use his superior skill. That's that's not who's the sexy guy anymore, um, which is interesting to me. But also, But the other thing that we've seen kind of in this transition is... A lot of action films centered on middle-aged men. I mean, think of uh, the incomparable Liam Neeson's. Liam Neeson did not become an action movie guy till he was in his late forties. Right. I think Liam Neeson has so far been the only person that's really skipped over this this locking look, like this locking in of these action movie stars doing this yeah. whole old dad. Well, shit. I think Liam Neeson's the only guy doing what this movie wants to do, exactly, which, which is to have this actor be the point of the movie. You know, yeah. you used to go to Arnie and Sylvester Stallone movies to see them do their awesome stuff. Liam Neeson still does that, but I think that whole production model is no longer yeah. at work. And I, and I think you know when they say uh, you know yeah, I feel old and 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 they the the, the the, the guy at the uh, breakfast bar says something like, I think you still got a couple in you. I mean, I think that's part of the comment the film's making, is that, oh, we've, we've got Arnie Headliner still. Yeah. I don't think we really do. I think you have to tell a better sort of story. It's going to be part of franchise, yeah. or um, it's just going to have to be, you know, an action movie. But nobody goes to a, a Jason Statham movie. Because because it's a Jason Statham movie. They go because the movie looks interesting. Yeah. Really. Yeah. I get exactly what you're saying. There are not... We don't really have action movies that are, are... We still have star vehicles, but we don't really have action movies that are star vehicles quite in the way that we used to. Although I would make the argument that John Wick was definitely a Keanu Reeves vehicle, because that's how they marketed it, was Keanu Reeves is back, kicking ass, man! 
But how much money did it make? It did okay. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's my point. It didn't make a lot of money, but you're right. Yeah, I mean, these movies are $20 million movies as opposed to $80 million movies. One more quick thought. I just kind of came to me whenever you're... Okay, who are the people that are going to be seeing these films? People that grew up with Arnold. My dad. Yeah, dads. Dads go into these films, yeah. and it's a, basically a looking glass looking back into them. I have aged... That's that's mostly my analysis. Okay. We'll dive into it more. I totally abandoned my analysis. I totally now. want you to jump in with me, but, okay. but tread lightly. No, I was just going to say, <laughs> the film is a, yes. <laughs> the film is a looking glass for, you know, that is old mirroring guard. back yeah. the, the older man as he once was, and he's no longer able to achieve such great heights as he did in his youth. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Miss Bohannon. Uh, Mr. Dalton Stewart, what say you? Well, Alex's last thoughts uh, really dovetail very nicely with what I want to say about this film. Uh, is this new genre of old dads fighting? Uh, and I really think this started in 2008 with Taken. Um, I can't really think of another movie before that that is centered on a guy that used to kick ass and hasn't... Now, there's lots of movies well, I mean, about... already made that movie. There's Commando. Commando. But not an old badass. Right. There's lots of movies about retired badasses. Yes. Rambo. Uh, I mean, ad nauseum. But not about old badasses. Um, and I really think Liam Neeson started. Liam Neeson's uh, started that. And it's just interesting to me, based because of my analysis um, on our Fight Club show two weeks ago. Uh, whereas that is a film that I think um, is about coming to terms with the fact that old violent masculinity is dead. Uh, and we're going to have to move past that. I feel like a lot of these old guy action movies are about saying, no, we refuse to die. We are here, we are men, and though our pubes may be gray, we will still fight very, very hard before our hips go out. And I, I like some of these films. Uh, I like uh, the, taken, the first Taken film just fine. It's okay. The action scenes in it are quite good. The film itself isn't very good. Uh, I like a lot of bad Liam Neeson movies. Liam Neeson has the, a production qualities. Yeah, well, say. not all of them. <laughs> he did make that movie unknown. And oh, nonstop. Yeah. Nonstop. Non I was actually about to say, nonstop's pretty good. Um, it's, it's dumb, but it's a lot of fun. And it's got an interesting mystery. It's not an action movie, it's a thriller. Uh, and I think that's the thing is Liam Neeson uh, is usually signing on to do kind of um, mystery films that just happen to have a fight scene or two in them. Uh, whereas a lot of these the Expendables movies or what I'm thinking of is all about saying we're still here damn it and we're still gonna fight and be old and creaky people still make Chuck Norris jokes somewhere on the internet allegedly <laughs> uh, at least the Expendables thinks people still make those jokes um, it's, it's just strange to me um, and I don't really have a whole lot to say about it listener other than to point it out um, is that there does seem to be post 90s we're getting a lot of these, um, well, I mean, The Matrix and a lot of the mid to late 90s films are these postmodern looks at action cinema, especially the, you know, the 2000s with uh, the Bourne films, you know, one of the most successful action franchises of the last decade. Um, in the, you know, the Mission Impossible movies, which started out being fairly cerebral action films and have gotten a little bit more spectacle, um, but are still, you know, not about just fighting. They're usually about stunts and stuff, like climbing yeah. tall things and jumping cars off of stuff. Uh, we don't have the one man murdering an entire island full of people to go save his daughter anymore. Um, and that's probably a good thing. Oh, now, Taken... The days. Although Taken is, you know, he does pistol whip half of Europe. 
to get his daughter back. Well, that's um, Oscar Schindler. What do you expect? They don't care. They don't care. About your guns. The wolves will come. Um, this next part's very important. You have to get on the airplane. You're going to be wolfed. Um, just, just take all of Liam Neeson's roles and turn them into one role. It's a lot of fun. But Taken does mark a return to to that kind of action movie that uh, Commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger was. It is all about uh, I got to come out of retirement because there's little madad or you know whatever. I don't even remember what Commando's about. I think that's what it's about. They kidnap his kid. There you go. Hey, I was right. Look at that. Um, you know the the Bourne movies are all about political intrigue. Uh, District Nine is about uh, racism. Elysium's about racism. I mean, you know. Our action from The Matrix is about control and identity and, and technology. Action films have gotten smarter, and there's still a place for dumb action movies. I just don't know if that place for dumb action movies is to try and keep making uh, mid-80s to mid-90s action movies, because that was a time and a place uh, in American culture um, that those movies make sense. Uh, and I don't think those movies have much of a place in our current culture anymore unless you are there is something to be said for a genuine film a, a film that wears its heart on its sleeve and isn't trying to be meta or subversive uh, I think there and I think John Wick is that film John Wick is not about an old guy trying to prove he's still got it in him uh, but it is a very straightforward action movie with not much else on its mind uh, what we see with The Last Stand and that I think is a problem is trying to relive glory days which exactly. the entire Expendables franchise is dedicated to um, and I think we need to move forward. The, like I said, there's nothing wrong with a straightforward action film. I like them just fine. Um, but we're not going to get, you know, the next great uh, piece of action cinema. You know, we're not going to get the next Terminator 2 by trying to uh, remake Terminator 2. Well, thank you, Mr. Dalton Stewart. And thank you so much for giving an analysis of The Last Stand in which you mostly talked about other movies, in which it indicates just how bad the movie at hand yes. really, truly is. I think it highlights a real problem in action cinema, particularly, um, you know, like the, you know, it and the Expendables films, I think, are really cut from the same cloth. Exactly. It's a fair point. Uh, what I want to talk to about, uh, I want to talk about Arnold Schwarzenegger as the governor, as a member of the Republican Party, and also um, with regard to some of the political implications of what's going on in the film. Now, I'm, I'm glad you're choosing to do this, because I did think about going this route with the film. Likewise. Um, you give immigrants a bad name. Uh, well, not that, particularly. Well, that's, I thought about that, and I decided there wasn't enough there, but I'm still glad you want to look at the political message of this film. I, I come in Are this... you talking about, uh, if I might... Just guess? Guess. I want to guess. Go guess. ahead. Go ahead and guess. Are, are you going to talk about uh, the refusal of federal authority by um, municipalities? Nope. Okay, go ahead. That was one thing I thought about. Uh, was this insistence that federal... although it's closely related, states' okay. rights. Yeah, there's something going on with Arnold refusing because uh, the major political issue. I don't report to you. Actually, you do because he works for the Department of Justice, and your police department reports to the Department of Justice. Right. No, the, uh, actually, the point um, is not is not far off the mark because the major sort of uh, calamity. Uh, that uh, is a sort of a rallying point for the issue at hand is an issue in which uh, people were um, opposing the federal institution, specifically the ATF and later the FBI, which was at Waco. But the issue that surrounded it was uh, was was gun control. Now, I come into this film uh, watching and viewing as a gun enthusiast. Uh, they are shooting a Smith & Wesson 500 mag pistol, which I have shot. Um, he is on. literally a card-carrying member of the NRA. I'm a lifetime member of the NRA. Me and Michael Moore, we both are. 
And uh, just because you think there's a problem with guns doesn't mean you don't like guns. I have antelope in my freezer because of this guy. This is true. And I shot that from 400 yards. I have a feeling I'm, I'm going to agree with everything Dustin's about to say, and I'll probably also get ranty. So also as a disclaimer, I can field strip a shotgun in like five seconds. But he, I, he has a gun safe. Yeah. But also, there's some problems. So we, we've got this guy with an arsenal, you know, and uh, there's a big deal being made of whether or not he's got permits for his very, very large handgun that he's carrying concealed. Also, later, um, it's just between me, you, and Jesus as to whether or not he can make this uh, automatic weapon from World War II fully automatic. Yeah. Which is which is troubling, to say the least. Yeah. But uh, the Between f- you, me, and Jesus... The, the, the film is, uh, in some ways, suggesting uh, that gun control is a terrible, terrible idea because you need to have these sort of guns for protection. And what it does Because is, the Mexicans might try to come through your town. Well, Mexicans or just, you know, anybody bad might come through or your town. Or Russian Texans. Russian Texans. Uh, more specifically, that which will actually never happen or hardly ever happen. And because of that remote possibility that an armed group of paramilitary terrorists might occupy part of your city, therefore you need to all have an arsenal so that you can be better equipped as a police force. The police force is ill-equipped, doesn't have enough guns to take them on, but because of someone's personal arsenal, they're able to armor up with a montage sequence worthy of the Rambo films uh, with uh, enough weaponry to fight back. And then, of course, Arnie's life is protected when uh, a woman uses one of those judges, have you seen these, the uh, the 410 revolvers? Yes. Which shoots a 410 shotgun shell and kills one of the baddies. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Mark Wahlberg uses one in Max Payne. They're they're handy for killing snakes. They're kind of cool looking. But uh, she does this, and of course, you know, there's an armed terrorist walking through her china um, or antique shop, and she's able to use it, again, for home protection, what have you. There is this sort of narrative. That, that goes on that I think this film echoes, which I think is part of Arnie's politics himself as the governator mm-hmm. and, and, and whatnot, is that you need these sort of weapons, you need these sort of stockpiles, because we, we have these sort of ridiculous, outlandish situations that occasionally come up. And you say, see, so now because of that, then this. However, the, the, the fact of the matter is, this is not what happens most of the time. Most of the time, even when, you know, I'm not going to even discuss the use of force or redemptive violence or any of those sort of other moral issues that go around any of this. But what I would say this is most situations in a human being's life living in this country where violence may or may not be required, it does not require a Gatling gun. No, probably not. You know, it, it, uh, Vickers, as it were. Well, as it were, yeah. yeah. But, but the, the point being, uh, you know, an auto, a submachine gun. We don't, we don't need that. Yeah. You don't need, honestly, you don't need a five hundred Smith and five hundred Mag Smith and Wesson for home protection. You shoot them because they're fun. It's like hitting your hand with a hammer, though. Yeah, it hurts real bad. Yeah, I can imagine when you shoot it. And, and I've the fact shot that, things of a similar size, but not quite that big, so I can imagine. And, and the fact when um, what's his bucket goes ahead and shoots it twice, that is a thing that happens because the recoil is so severe on yeah. that particular firearm that. Oftentimes, because of that, you will pull the trigger a second time. And since it's a double action, uh, this is getting into real nerdy gun talk. No, uh, it's kind of cool. Uh, yeah, it, you don't need to pull it, the hammer back again. It will yeah. go off more than once. And that particular firearm was lacking the uh, the gas port, and so uh, the, the likelihood of it hitting you in the face was also pretty That's high. kind of interesting that that is an accurate portrayal of that gun. Yeah. Because so often in action movies, you have like <clears throat> these guns acting 
abnormally. Yeah. You know, being able to do, like, these crazy sequences when it's like, you would be feeling really, really bad after shooting that gun for that many rounds. Absolutely. That's not possible. You know, as much as I love watching John Woo slide down a stair banister shooting a two forty five caliber handguns, that would be hard. Yeah. That would be really difficult to hit anything, let alone your own legs. Yes. Yeah. But, but back to my point is that, you know, there's this need for these arsenals to be put together. And the reason why is because the Russians may be coming, apparently. You know, or the, the sort of... The in, cartel. Especially, well, and I think that's probably the argument made by all these border communities, is mm-hmm. they live very close to some very extreme violence. The, 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 the truth of the matter is, though, the cartel's not coming. Dear listener, I want you to hear me on this. No. The cartel... Is not coming. I'm not saying you should or should not own a gun. I'm not even commenting on that issue. What I am saying is that the NRA and you know some 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 spots in American conservatism uh, portrays the need to uh, deregulate firearms uh, based on fear mongering of these sorts of situations. Where see this happened? Isn't it great that they had the arsenal? And the fact of the matter is, yeah, in the, in the, in this small diegesis of the film, yes, it was handy that they had those guns. But in the real world, this is not necessary, nor is it required. And uh, it, it, it's uh, one of those things where that continued narrative of fear and of terror uh, continues uh, to keep people from thinking about these questions a little bit more um, sanely, logically, and rationally. And uh, I think uh, to this film, um, to an extent, promotes that irrationality uh, par excellence. Well, I think one thing that it also does, you did mention redemptive violence, and I think it does, unfortunately, go to the old action trope of the redemptive violence. Um, you know, talking about the old man masculinity, uh, Arnold says, you know, I've seen enough of blood and death I know it is coming yeah so I am more afraid than you I'm, are I'm more afraid but I must get back on the saddle and kill a shitload of dudes again and that's the thing that a lot of action movies do is like this this war, this weary uh, warrior who takes no pleasure in killing uh, but yet makes a lot of jokes when they shoot somebody in the knee yeah which is kind of a problem that's that's a mixed character message you can't tell me the guy doesn't like killing when uh, you know he, he makes a joke after he shoots a guy in the head while falling off a building yeah. That was a really cool. That was that the was coolest a, moment. That I'd was say. that was pretty cool. Uh, but you know, if Arnold's so weary with, uh, from violence, he can't call the guy a motherfucker after he gets off. You know, after mm-hmm. he like climbs down from the thing they fell on. Melon I, truck. The melon truck. Yeah, I, it's just melon fama. Um, it's weird. You know, I, I agree. Um, redemptive violence can be a good. St- I mean, think about Unforgiven, which isn't about redemptive violence. It's about the myth of redemptive violence. Yes, the um, exposing, de- demysticizing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Clint Eastwood's probably the only um, famous action hero to really deal with um, a career of on-screen murder in a, in a meaningful way. I think, uh, particularly with the film uh, Unforgiven and uh, the film 
Gran Torino. Well, the, I mean, the fact that he just directed uh, American Sniper. I think there's something to that as well. Yeah. yeah. I haven't Which seen it yet. I haven't I seen either. it. Um, but to, to my knowledge, um, it's getting kind of mixed to positive reviews. Um, or might be mixed to negative. Mostly mixed is my understanding. Um, but the, the one trailer I saw was pretty moving. Yes, um, it was. And is asking questions about the morality of violence, um, which would make an interesting film. I don't know if the film does that, though. Um, what I do know is that Clint Eastwood's the only action hero I can think of who has said the line, do you want to know what it's like to kill a man? It's fucking awful. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something worthwhile, and I think a lot of these old guy, old tough guy movies uh, don't do that. Well, excellent, guys. I think there's some good analysis that's brought forward in a very, very bad movie. So uh, we come now to a moment when we must choose... And render a verdict as to whether this film belongs on the shelf. Live via satellite, we go to Arthur Gordon for his shelf for trashing. I I can't in good conscience say to shelf this film. I think it's very uh, valiant. I think it is trying to say something. But I just don't think it does it at all. Um. And I wish it had, because I think this film had a lot of potential, but it just doesn't do it for me. I'd say, I think this does have an audience, and I'd say, I say stream it. You know, if I, don't go out of your way to watch it. Definitely don't do that. But if you're bored, uh, if you're wanting to have a movie out with some friends, just some dumb fun, turn it on and laugh. Don't take it serious, because I don't think it takes itself serious at all. And I think that's very important, having a good time with this film. I say watch instead. Dread would be a good uh, starting point, I think, because I think Dread is going a similar route, but it's doing it better. I would also say Tombstone. Um, Kurt Russell, Val Kilmer, Masterpiece. I think that goes. uh, I'll watch that instead. Watch that every day instead of this film. Any day. Any day watch Tombstone because Tombstone is a phenomenal film. Um, I would also suggest early uh, Schwarzenegger, Predator, uh, Commando, you know, anything like that. Uh, Terminator, obviously. Terminator 2, certainly. Any of those things because Arnold's done a lot better. Um, the other thing I would recommend when watching this, uh, instead of watching this, is Walking Tall, either the original or the Dwayne Johnson, The Rock version, uh, if you can find either one. The original, I think, was a miniseries in the 70s. My dad was a big fan. And The Walking Tall, the remake uh, with uh, The Rock, is it's probably forgettable, but it's a very similar idea, and I think it's done better uh, if you're looking for kind of a more straightforward, uh, blatant action film instead of something with a message. Uh, it's, it's good, and it's that same idea as Small Town Sheriff, drugs, that whole thing. And so uh, check that one out if you want. Those would be my insteads. I thank you very much for them all. Miss Alexander Bohannon, what say you? Show for trash, Elsewhere instead. This is, this is trash. It, it's trash. It's everything this movie does, about 50 other movies do it better. And, Absolutely. Uh, you should go and watch those movies because, hey, if you want a movie that deals with large arsenals, go watch Hot Fuzz. And, you know, the... Protecting a town and against last stand. Hey, if you want to go see an action movie that's kind of cool and meaningful, go watch the whole Born uh, the Born trilogy. I mean, there's a and hey, if you want to go see an Arnold movie, see anything that he's he did in the '80s. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. that's that's kind of the thick and thin of it. 
I'll give this film one and a half bacon cheddar omelets with extra cheddar out of five. That's excellent. Thank you very much, Miss Alexandra Bohannon. What say you, Mr. Dalton Stewart? Yeah, no, this is trash. This is not good trash. This is just trash. Uh, and put it where it belongs. It gets one Johnny Depp's weird ski cap out of a possible... <laughs> Johnny Depp. Sorry. It gets one Johnny Knoxville ski cap out of a possible ten. Um, I don't like it. I, you know, I might bump that to two um, if I'd been really bored, but I had other things I wanted to do while I was watching this. I wanted to play video games, uh, so I was not enjoying a moment Anything of this else. Anything else. Um, I'm going to kind of echo Alex. There are... Tons of films that do everything this film does, and they do it better. Um, you want to watch a recent Arnold film that we already mentioned? Watch Sabotage. Uh, it's also bad, but it's much better than this. Um, definitely. And it's got, you know, it's written by David Ayer, so you get a lot of tough guy, good tough guy dialogue, uh, which is one thing he's fantastic at. If you want to see a good modern Western, watch Four Brothers with uh, Mark Wahlberg and Andre 3000 and Tyrese Gibson and uh, G- G- Garrett Hedlund. There we go. Couldn't think of his name. Um, that's a really uh, well-made modern Western set in Detroit about, you know, four adopted brothers trying to revenge the murder of their foster mother. Um, I haven't seen it in years, but I remember really that liking That sounds really good. Uh, it came out like 05, I think. I haven't seen it in years, um, but I am going to recommend it because I remember uh, it fondly. If you want to see, you know, speaking of Clint Eastwood, a good uh, Western Western about guy a guy trying to rally defenses for defenseless people, uh, the outlaw Josie Wales. I mean, there are a lot of better action movies. You want to see better car chases? Watch Death Proof. Um, you want to see better gunfights? Watch The Matrix. You want to see better kung fu? Watched hundred, literally hundreds All of movies. There's a bad, there's a bad fight scene in this movie. It's not terrible. It's kind of okay, but it's not good. It's poorly shot. Not poorly Most shot. Most of this movie is poorly. It's poorly shot. shot. <laughs> don't. Bad. I, don't, I don't feel as bad about the shooting itself. Bad, bad, do, bad think. action editing makes me angrier than any other editing. And when in they the world. launch off the building on those little zip lines, I'm just like, that is so ugly. And my eye isn't even trained. Like, I don't. I, I mean, I'm not saying that I could shoot or edit an action scene. No. What I'm saying is, <laughs> I know what a good one looks like because I've seen a lot of them. Uh, you know, I don't want to give any delusions of like I could make a better movie than this. What I'm saying is, there are better movies than this. Um, and it's just really painful for me as an action connoisseur to see poorly shot action sequences. So, Dustin, I, I guess we'll end with you as always. Shell for trash, else or instead? I mean, it's obviously trash. I mean, trash is almost too good for it. I mean, I really, really don't like this movie. And for instead, I would not echo your your words. Anything, just watch anything else. Uh, for instead, I mean, that's. You know, but if you want to watch some big dumb fun action, watch Die Hard, watch Bloodsport. Ooh, Die Hard. Uh, you know, uh, oh, Bloodsport's a great bad action movie. Yeah, it's just terrible, but it's it's so much fun. Yeah, it's it's oh, it's really bad. It's good good fight scenes. Yeah, exactly. And it's got another one of those sort of action heroes. You know, same with Bruce Willis and Die Hard. Uh, lots of fun. Um, not a whole lot going on, but well, Die Hard's a great film. It period. is. It is. Well, it is a miracle in editing, is what it is. Oh, well, scripting. It's so, great. it's so well shot. And so that all helps, you know. Come to the coast, we'll have some laughs. Uh, it's good times. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's a movie that I, I, I like a lot. I also like Bloodsport a lot, even though I recognize its flaws uh, and whatnot. If you want to see some good Kumate. Kumate! 
if you want to watch it a little arty, um, you know, of the same vibe, I do see, say you should check out Commando, which he rescues a daughter, or Last Action Hero, in which he also rescues a daughter. He also says stick around in Commando, which might be... Oh, no, that's... Never mind, that's Predator. That is Predator. I lied. Stick it out. Stick it out. One of my favorite Arnold one-liners of all time. After throwing a machete into somebody and sticking them to a tree. Yeah. Or a post and a hut. Yeah. Hut it's, post. It's, it might be a hut post. Oh, yeah. it's so good. Uh, I just, sorry, consider this a divorce. It's still one of my favorites. Yes. Yeah. Ice that guy. Uh, anyway, moving right along. You know what killed the dinosaurs? <laughs> the freeze. <laughs> the ice age. The ice age. Incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> Incorrect. Great one-liner. Mmm. Well, there you go, dear listener. Now you know where we're coming from on all of that. We'd love to have uh, your thoughts on what we've said and what we might say and what we should have said and what we didn't say. And that can happen through those magical means that we all know as social media. Um, Alex has got the duties of social media this week. Alex, what, where can we be found and what feedback have we, if any? The Good Drudge Genre Cast can be found at www.facebook.com forward slash Good Trash Genre Cast. Alright, um, so we have posted some stuff on our Facebook lately, and um, like our the fact that the interview actually did experience somewhat of a release. It was here in Oklahoma. Oh, it was. Played in Weatherford. What? Oh, the interview? Yeah. It played in uh, Tulsa, it played in Chickasha, yeah. I, uh, Wait, you played in Chickasha? I, I did. Yeah, I tweeted about this listener, uh, when you were listening to the Fight Club episode, uh, the uh, the interview had not got any kind of release, so we were a little behind the times uh, with our time travel. Um, but I was that made me happy to see that it, it got some kind of release. Right? Have any of you guys seen it? No, no. Okay. My 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 exuberance for seeing it does not extend to driving to Chickasha, unfortunately. Okay. Well, um, we did get a little feedback, not feedback, feedback. Whenever we wish everyone a happy holiday on on Facebook, we got uh, Fran King and Shane Ar- Arrington. Wishing us a Merry Christmas, and we were wished, and thank you very much for your well wishes, and um, some likes, but not a whole lot going on on Facebook. You should make something happen on Facebook. Drop us a note, send us a message, tell us how awesome and hot we are, and I would love to hear about that, so... Well, it's true of a quarter of us anyway, so thank you for that very much, Miss Bohannon. Uh, Miss, You're talking about me, right? Yeah, I was, I, I was talking about him. I, I, we were talking about me? Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> I'm so confused. Uh, Mr. Donald Stewart, do you know anything else about social media means by which this might be, um, conversation might be held? Dustin, my tweets are not for sale. Ladies and gentlemen, you can find the Good Trash Genrecast on Twitter. Your honor, on the other hand. Oh, absolutely for sale. 100%. There we go. Need some more context. We can be found on Twitter at good underscore trash. Uh, do we have any feedback coming in? We do. Uh, Shane Arrington, uh, going through the back catalog, listened to the Blair Witch Project episode. And said, Dalton, bravo on your rant about everything wrong with everything wrong with videos. Those nerds are effing trolls. I agree, Shane. I agree. I don't even know what that's about. Uh, back, I remember. Uh, back on the episode over the Blair Witch Project, Brigham Cole sent us a link to everything uh, wrong with. Oh yeah. Uh, CinemaSins, I believe, is the banner for the uh, is the the umbrella for that hosts uh, these videos. It's everything wrong with X movie. In X minutes, um, or whatever. Um, and Brigham sent me the one to Fight Club, which I have since then watched, although I said on that show I never would. Uh, and it made me really angry. <laughs> because I, I feel like as a film lover, 
you're doing it wrong. If you really like movies and you're just like, well, I'm going to, in ten minutes, say a hundred things that are wrong with this movie, you're doing it wrong. Although, the one about Love Actually is really good. I will say there are, that's a good movie, though. But that, I, I read an article about the things wrong with Love Actually, and that's a, that was a... The I'm, man is the Prime Minister, and I don't think they really take that fully into account. Yeah. Yeah. I will say that I have seen some of those videos that make might make some interesting points. Uh, on the other hand, intellectually, I just do disagree with them in a very big way. Um, so there's my bias. But thank you, Shane, for your for your nice feedback. Uh, Caleb Masters tweeted us a link to a, a Daily Beast article. Uh, now, normally, I would not endorse at all in any way, shape, or form. Uh, people trolling the Sony hacks for news. That being said, the Daily Beast did uh, reveal that one of uh, the ha- leaked emails due to the Sony hack uh, revealed that uh, Idris Elba was being courted at some point uh, to be the next James Bond, and Caleb Masters pointed out that we're fortune tellers because on our Skyfall game, uh, on our Skyfall episode, our game was who would be a great next Bond, and we put took Idris Elba off the table because we all we unanimously agree yeah. that he would be a fantastic James Bond. Oh, Did you, so perchance, hear Rush Limbaugh's rant? I have heard about it. I have not heard it. I, I did hear it. And, you know, the thing is, you know, obviously in the Ian Fleming novels, James Bond's Scottish and white and mm-hmm. always has been, you know, and to Rush's mind always will be. However, this is not the sort of historical change. We're not making Thomas Jefferson black. Yeah. It's a fictional character. I'm going to say that one more time, listener. It is a fictional character. One, which I might add, uh, a lot of the fan base widely considers to not be a real person. That James Bond is a codename or a title for the best operative they have at the time. Considering the fact that when when was the last time James Bond was Scottish? Like, actively Scottish with a, a thick... Scottish accents, you yes. know? I mean, you Roger mean, Moore wasn't? Yeah, I know, you but... You mean Timothy Dalton wasn't? I know, My but... My world is shattered. <sighs> Even in Skyfall, where we find out that, yes, the, um... Oh my god, the wrong, hell wrong. Even in Skyfall, where we find out that Daniel Craig Bond is Scottish, he just was born and raised in Scotland, but he grew up mostly in a, you know, London orphanage or whatever. Right? He, you know, he got recruited early and doesn't have a Scottish accent. He is just because you're Scottish doesn't mean you have a brogue. And newsflash: there's a lot of black people in the United Kingdom. No kidding. But yes, Idris Elba would be a fantastic Bond. And while I do not endorse uh, in any way uh, people pulling news from the Sony hack, um, Caleb's right. We're fortune tellers. Um, hopefully, Idris is still young enough to play Bond by the time Craig is done, because they're not that far apart in age. Welcome to the smartest podcast on the internet. You're welcome. Uh, Brian Cole also recommended something to us that uh, we're going to talk about in Fired Up, so we're not going to read that. Uh, we had a lot of favorites and retweets uh, that I really appreciated. Um, Caleb mentioned us. He, he listed a couple of things that he'll never forget from 2014, and one of them was getting to co-host with us again, which made me really happy. Um, Shane Arrington wrote in one more time, clearly going through the back catalog and making up for lost time, and let us know he's listening to the Sean of the Dead episode. And he said, Bill Nye is so good. His favorite line is, Barbara, I ran it under a cold tap. Which is a great line in that film. Um, so, uh, that's it. Uh, I do want to mention uh, that our good friend, uh, Caleb Masters, who is currently working with Renegade Cinema, uh, sent out a, a link to his uh, top ten films of the year video. Uh, I have retweeted that. Um, I like it. I like your picks, Caleb. I don't agree with your pick of Birdman, um, 
But other than that, I, I like I, yeah, it's not that good. I'm sorry. We'll talk about it sometime. Um, I really want to see that too. I mean, it's it's okay. on the list. It's okay to see. That is, it's okay. Um, but I, it was a well-made video. Uh, Caleb did some really cool editing in there. Uh, I'm going to credit him with it, even though I don't know if that's accurate. Um, but he did some really cool editing because he shows clips from the films that he's discussing, uh, and it looked really well, uh, really good, not well. Um, but uh, kudos on you, Caleb, uh, for continuing to uh, work in this crazy world of online talk about movies. Uh, that is our feedback going on on Twitter this week. And of course you can give us feedback at iTunes, at Stitcher, also at the Poddean site, which is currently having some sort of strange error, but I'm sure it'll be rectified by the time you hear this episode. Um, but we are still um, definitely playable on Stitcher, definitely playable on the iTunes, and we would uh, cherish and uh, and uh, treasure your ratings and uh, also your comments on those sites. They fill us with joy and wonderlust. Really? Yeah, I want to go find the people that say the nice things and hug them. Oh, okay. It's like I, I was I, the dots were not connecting for me on that. Like I want to go. Oh, I totally just said Tahiti. it. Uh, yeah, I had to. I had to make that work after the fact. Okay. Yeah, no, that was that was a uh, uh, post hoc. Well done, sir. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, enough of this banter. It's time to play the game. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> This week's game is our favorite moments from Arnie, who is now the new favorite star actor of the Good Trash Undercast because he has starred in more films than anybody else at three. That's right, Arnold Schwarzenegger's finest moments, brought to you by The Last Stand. The Last Stand, probably not a good place to look for Arnold's finest moments. <laughs> yes! Oh, I love Correct. it. <laughs> is he Is he really number one? What about Kurt Russell? Kurt Russell was Big in... Trouble in Little China, Thing, Death Proof. Okay, so he's in three also, so he's yeah. tied for three. Tied. Is there... Is that it? Is, is three the most we have? I think so. S- listener, um, we don't do homework. this. Homework. Yeah, that's homework for you. Well, we might get around to it eventually, but tell us who uh, is in the most movies talked about on the Good Trash Honor cast. Simon Pegg. Actor- Simon Pegg. Actor-wise. Simon Pegg and Nick Frost each have two apiece, and I'm wondering oh, if any okay. of them have cameos in anything else. I we thought watched. we were... I thought... We he did, does... We didn't well, do you know, Simon Pegg end. does have a role Star in Trek. Star Trek, so, so he's Simon up Pegg at three. three. So who's got the most? I'm yeah, curious now. World, do World's End. Sam Neill, Jurassic Park and Event Horizon, and Lawrence Fishburne, The Matrix and Event Horizon, and probably something else, I'm sure. I mean, he's in lots of things. I think we've done... John Carpenter. We've done a lot of John Carpenter and Robert Rodriguez. You know, I recently saw Lawrence Fishburne okay. playing um, a cowboy in an episode of Pee-wee's Playhouse. Yeah, he play, you didn't know that? No, I did, totally yeah, forgot. famously played the cowboy. What's the cowboy's name? I, I, I remembered, but now I've forgotten. Yeah, he was on there for a minute. Um, man, now I'm really curious who has been in the most good trash movies that we've discussed. That would be that would be excellent to hear. But let's play yeah. the game at question. Alex, what are your favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger moments? I would say that... Uh, considering if you have done your homework, listener, and listened to our best of 2014 Platinum Shelf episode that just dropped. Um, when we're recording this, not when right. we're listening. So if you have listened to that, you will have know how much uh, Dustin and I love Total Recall. So I'd say that my favorite Arnold moment is that entire movie. Mm. Total Recall is a great movie, and I didn't expect that going in, but that just like solidified my love of Arnold, and then of course um, all of Arnold's pre-filmmaking career into his bodybuilding stuff. Those are some of Arnold's finest moments, obviously. 
Have you ever seen a cat, a, a man calf raise like ten people? Probably not. But it's there's a picture in Arnold's book. She does even lift, bro. <laughs> Thank you very much, Miss Bohan. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what say you? What are some of Arnold's finest moments? Um, Kindergarten Cop, All Day Every Day, one of the greatest movies ever. That's a lie, but it's it is so much guilty pleasure fun. It is horrible, but it is awesome, and it is everything at once. And I, I, I have such a soft spot uh, for uh, Kindergarten Cop, and it probably, I don't know if it belongs with Teen Wolf and the Rocketeer uh, with you guys, but for me, Kindergarten Cop is just a lot of fun as a kid, and I still I get a chuckle out of it because it's just so absurd. Um, I, I mentioned this, I believe, at another point. Uh, but he he has this nice cameo in the rundown, and it's kind of a changing of the guard, passing of the torch between him and and Dwayne the Rock Johnson, um, in which uh, at the beginning of the rundown, Rock walks into this club, and as he is walking in, Schwarzenegger is walking out, and they kind of look at each other. Arnold nods, and it's it's a really cool moment to me, and I think that's really interesting because Rock has done so well as an action star. I think in the last uh, several years, and he's come quite a ways from his, his his beginnings as the Scorpion King, and so I think I thought that that's a nice little nod. Um, I would also say uh, the uh, his action stuff. I mean, he's Schwarzenegger. He he is. He, I I prefer Schwarzenegger to Stallone. You know, and I think he's he's fun and he's crazy, and he's just so over the top that it's just a blast. Um, you know, God forbid anybody enjoy Batman and Robin and it, in its cheesy horribleness. Uh, but Schwarzenegger in that as Mr. Freeze is just, it's so funny. It's so absurd. If, if you're just into absurdist anything, Schwarzenegger's your guy because he is just so over the top that it is, it's hard to forget. Schwarzenegger's, you know, a legend uh, for a lot of reasons. And, you know, despite... You know, how some of his films may be, you know, if he's good or bad, you know, whatever you want. But you, everybody knows Schwarzenegger. He's a pop culture icon. And I think, you know, there's there's a lot to be said about his finest moments. Excellent. Thank you very much. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what say I just, you? I just want to take a moment to say how insightful that was, Arthur. Uh, I really appreciate uh, all the things you do for us. Uh, and I just love you so much, man. It was beautiful. Uh, for me... Uh, when I'm thinking about Arnold's finest moments, how am I not going to think about uh, I Know Now Why You Cry? Mm, yeah. As that righteous thumbs up is slowly lifted or lowered It's a tearful moment for me, always. Oh my god, yeah. Uh, also, in terms of uh, his badassery in that movie, pulling that um, lever-action uh, Winchester shotgun out of that box full of roses is pretty badass. Next... Um, we've already mentioned Predator, uh, other than Stick Around, um, If It Bleeds, We Can Kill It is one of the coolest things anyone has ever said, ever. Also, Jesse the Body Ventura saying, yes. I ain't got time to bleed. I ain't got time to bleed. Uh, also, uh, him and Apollo Creed doing that sweet arm wrestle handshake. Yes. Uh, that has been parodied so many times. Uh, that's how you know something is a, a pop cultural touchstone. Yes. Uh, is, is when you can't even count how many times it's been parodied. Also, Predator's the best. And Shane Black, who wrote it, is in that movie. I don't know if you're aware of this. He is uh, Hawks? Hawkins? Um, mm, I mm-hmm. asked my wife 
if I could get a little pussy, and she, I'd like a little pussy, and she said, me too, mine's as big as a house. Right. He's that guy. Right. That is the writer of uh, Predator, ladies and gentlemen. I love Shane Black so much. Um, I'm actually going to do a recent pick uh, as well. We t- I talked about Sabotage and Elser instead. Listener, watch Sabotage. I think the end of that movie might be some of Arnold's best acting. It is a pretty cool shootout fight. Um, but he does have a moment uh, reflecting on the necessity or maybe the lack thereof of violence and how uh, any you know myth of redemptive violence might just be, in fact, a myth. Um, it's really kind of a, a powerful moment, weirdly, in an otherwise not that good movie. Um, but it, it might be one of Arnold Schwarzenegger's best moments of acting, really, outside of Terminator 2, which... Uh, as we talked about on that episode, really kind of showcased the fact that he, you know, under the right direction, he might actually be able to put in a good performance. Uh, last but not least, I would be remiss if I didn't give a shout-out to Not a Tumor. It's not. not a Tumor! Yes. Yes. Thank God for Kindergarten Cop. That's a good movie. It makes me laugh. Thank you. Thank you very much for that, uh, Mr. Dalton Stewart. What I would say, one of my favorite moments is an acting moment between him and an actress... Jamie Lee Curtis and himself um, during a, um, a forced strip tease in which uh, Jamie falls off the bed and Arnie drops the tape recorder. Um, and, it, I mean, it's He all, just loves his wife so much. It, 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 it's all in the physical acting, but it's really just kind of brilliant and it makes me laugh so much. He just loves his wife it, so much. It, it's a great uh, bit of cinema, I, I think. Uh, my, my, my final pick is uh, just a moment from Commando as it opens up and Arnold is carrying this gigantic trunk of a tree on yes. his shoulder yes. with his shirt as a pad. So he is shirtless, Arnie, uh, which is always an exciting thing. Although we don't need to see that anymore. I've seen it recently. It's not good. Ooh, it isn't. Oh, yeah. it's, it's very sad. But yeah. that moment is when you're like, oh, we are dealing with a bad mountain of a man. Yeah. And uh, love it Ugh. so God, much. He's, he's ridiculous. He's so ridiculous. How tall is he for starters? Like 6'5", probably? I, I have no idea. He's so tall. Oh my god, he's a big old guy. If you want some good other moments, I'm going to give you uh, some more homework. Read his biography, uh, Total Recall, incidentally called. Um, but it has, you know, all these great stories about his time making his bodybuilding career, his film career, uh, marriage, and, you know, governating, etc. But I would say that one of my favorite Arnold moments that happened in real life is when he went on Reddit for his very first AMA. He's done like three now. He's wow. like one of Reddit's like returning stars. Um, someone asked him what was the happiest or proudest moment of your entire life and all he responded was, was a picture and it's a very famous picture. It's whenever he became an American citizen and oh, he has yeah. a huge flag in the background. He's holding it. Oh. He has this huge like ridiculous hat if I can remember and he has like an America shirt on. Um, and you can just tell his face is just shining, and oh, it's, good for him. it's so such a touching moment. And then another good guy Arnie thing in that thread was someone asked for him um, to like write a message to their dad, who was a huge fan. And so he took his iPad and like actually wrote it out and sent him the picture so what? that he had his handwriting and his autograph, and so he could like. No, Arnold's great in these threads. So. He's a very nice guy. Say what yeah. you will about Arnold Schwarzenegger. He really loves America a lot. He does. Yes. You know, uh, I can't remember where I heard this. I don't know if it's in Pumping Iron or 
early in his career, I don't even know if he'd moved to the U.S. yet, I think somebody asked him what his goals were. He said, I want to be a movie star, I want to marry a Kennedy, and there was a third one. And I want to say it was be a U.S. citizen, um, but it might have been uh, become a politician. Check, yeah. check, check. Yeah. That's, that's weird. That's very get, specific. It's getting it done, brother. It's very specific. He also is kind of an asshole uh, in some aspects of his life, but well, yeah, you know who isn't. Um, I fa- fun fact: Arnold Schwarzenegger likes one of my favorite movies of the year. He likes Whiplash a lot, although uh, as as Michael Phillips uh, from the Chicago Tribune pointed out on a Film Spotting's uh, year end review episode, if there's anybody in the world that probably got the wrong message out of Whiplash. It's probably Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> uh, but that makes me happy. Well, alrighty, guys. Thank you so much for that excellent gameplay. Um, I think it's time to conclude the show, what we always do, and that is what's got us fired up this week in pop culture. Turn me up. Mr. Arthur Gordon, are you fired up this week? I am mildly simmering in pop culture. Nothing too terribly wild. Ooh, actually, that's a lie. Uh, Christmas came and went, and I got another loot crate. My wonderful wife got me a loot crate uh, in December, and it's the anniversary edition, and the theme was anniversary, so uh, Batman and Marvel and The Simpsons and uh, Ghostbusters were all included in this, and it's really awesome i got a really cool mighty wallet it's made out of paper it's very durable it's really cool it's simpsons themed i got an exclusive pop action figure a vinyl figure that is the joker batman which is really cool i got exclusive i am groot baby groot socks dress socks which are pretty sweet i'm not gonna lie I'm, i i was speechless when i opened the box and saw those they were the coolest thing in the world i i love them um, outside of that, I got a few movies uh, for Christmas: uh, Ninja Turtles, Donna, the Planet of the Apes, Noah. Just some different things I'd been interested to see, and I'd put down on a wish list. And I, they they arrived under the tree, and I'm pretty happy about that. I also got uh, a couple of games for my DS, and so I I'm pretty excited. There's a lot of nerdy stuff happening around the house. I also got a chance to check out Oculus uh, from 2014. Uh, trying to catch up on some movies. And um, it's a very interesting horror film uh, with a solid ending. I wouldn't say it's great. It's borderline good. I, I think it does some things well. Um, it's very slow burn, but I really enjoyed it, I think, uh, the more I think about it. And so if you're into horror, you know, check out that. Pretty, uh, pretty interesting little film. Also, it is now 2015. And if I I do have a New Year's resolution, it is to try and watch more new films this year. Uh, last year just did not happen. I, I got to see a lot of movies, but they weren't newer movies. I watched a lot of older stuff. You know, we tried to do our Who Can Watch the Most Movies uh, in 2014, which I'm assuming Dustin probably just slaughtered us all because that's all he does is watch movies, I'm pretty sure. And so uh, my goal, though, this year is to watch more new releases and try to catch more of those movies. Uh, as they're coming into cinema and try to keep up on it. I did a good job a couple years ago. I hope to do a really good job this year just because I, I, it's something I just love. I love movies and I love watching them and I love to see what's coming out. And just kind of, it's just one of those things I really enjoy. And so 
I missed a lot of gems this year, I think. And so hopefully uh, in 2015 I can catch a lot of uh, fun stuff. But uh, that's, that's, that's about that uh, as far as being fired up on anything. So. Oh, that makes me fired up too, Arthur. Thanks very much. Sure. Mr. Dalton Stewart, are you fired Why up as well? did you look at me when you said Dalton? <laughs> I do that. He's a trickster. He's a trickster. I'm lucky. Although, no, you're Odin. We've talked about oh, this yeah. on the show before. This is true. Uh, I am fired up this week in popular culture. So the thing that Dustin, so the thing that Brian Cole uh, recommended to us was Black Mirror, uh, which is a show I've been meaning to get around to for a while. Uh, it is a British show. I believe it originally aired on Channel Four there in the UK. Um, the easiest way I can describe it is uh, the Twilight Zone. If the Twilight Zone was exclusively focused on technology, uh, I've watched the first series, as they call it. Um, uh, both of which are on Netflix, sans the Christmas special starring John Hamm, which just aired. Um, man, that is a heck of a show. Have either of you guys checked any of this I out? I have not. Um, I, of that first three episodes, I think my favorite is without a doubt episode two. Um, but I'll tell you this to get you interested, listener. Um, episodes two and three are a little bit more sci-fi. Episode one, um, the British Prime Minister is awoken um, at like four in the morning uh, and is informed that... Uh, a prominent princess who definitely seems to be modeled after Kate Middleton uh, has been kidnapped. Oh my! Uh, so he is called to um, re- to be shown the ransom video that was posted on YouTube. Um, the kidnappers have only one demand: the prime minister must have sex with a pig on live television. Wow! And the entire episode is just about the next th- the next well, by, by four p.m. That day. So the whole episode is just about the following 12 hours. The second episode is is a dystopian future all about our obsession with um, media and how it can really take over our lives. Um, and the third one is about memory. Um, so check it out, man. Black Mirror is really good, listener. I also have mentioned this on the show before, but another British series uh, that airs on BBC Two uh, in the UK, but here it is a Netflix original series, and that is Peaky Blinders, uh, starring Killian Murphy and Sam Neill. Um, and in season two, uh, Tom Hardy, uh, who is basically playing Bane without the mask in a lot of ways. He kind of has a similar lilt to his voice. Um, he plays a, a Jewish gangster based out of London. Um, season two is really good. I, I will say this. Peaky Blinders is kind of narratively messy. I think it has a hard time figuring out, finding its, like, through-line plot for a season. You know what I mean? Uh, some shows I, I find, especially when it's only a six-episode season, you can't really waste a lot of time, you know, establishing what the the plot of that season's going to be. And I feel like Peaky Blinders is a little messy in the plotting sometimes. But the themes and the acting and the, just what's taking place on the screen is is really engaging and uh, something I appreciate a lot. Last but not least, listener, I am finally playing Dragon Age Inquisition. Oh. It is so good. So good. Uh, last Sunday I spent, I'm not exaggerating in the slightest, seven and a half straight hours playing this game. It's really good. Uh, if you like any of the Dragon Age games, you already know about this. If you don't, um, you'll like it probably if you like games like Mass Effect, which is uh, the same company uh, developed and produced. Um, check it out, guys. Uh, you know, go save this mythical world from demons and such, and, you know, go fight monsters. It's awesome. 
Excellent. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalsford. Ms. Alexander Bohanner, are you fired up? I am. I've got a couple of things in the new year. Uh, first of all, Downton Abbey, which has been airing over in the UK, has now come to America as of this coming Sunday. It will air. I mean, you could watch it online no, it's, anywhere. But... It's, it's been airing here. Um, it airs on PBS. No, I know, but like the new season. Oh, the new season. season. I'm sorry, I, yeah, mis- no, I no. misunderstood what no, you said. No, um, I mean they always do it like really in advance, and then it the new seasons always drop like the following year for over here. So that's going to air, and that's going to be interesting. It kind of ended on a weird note last season. That's what I um, heard. Yeah, yeah. It's but you know it's really fun, and I still enjoy it uh, a lot. It's it's not a guilty pleasure because it's really good and very. Um, you know, artistically lauded and all of this stuff, but it is also pretty much a really, really, really high quality soap opera. But as I was say, that last season kind of had a, a low quality soap opera ending. Am, am, am I correct? That uh, was my understanding. I'm trying to remember. I'm not. Oh, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, okay. I don't watch the show. It's, I'm a little things. fuzzy because I didn't like that ending, but I remember. Yeah. Anyway, watch it. We'll watch it together if you want. Okay, my other thing is the Steam Christmas Dale, which is Steam is a PC client for games, has just ended, and I picked up some really great games. I uh, I think the one I'm most excited, excited about is um, Div- um, Divinity? Divinity, Original Sin. So I picked that up, and that which is basically an RPG, which it should be a good romp in time. I also got Age of Empires... Two. What? Yeah. Age of Kings, like a motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. Um, old school. I had. I Keith played it during his youth, but I did not. So I'm. I'm only just getting on that bandwagon. You're now. in for a real treat. I'm very excited. And uh, what's the last one that I got? Oh, and then I also got um, Counter Strike uh, Global Offensive. Um, so that'll be fun. It's. Probably I didn't know you played first-person shooters. Yeah, I'm trying to get more into them because I mostly played TF2. Um, yeah. and, oh, and I got Borderlands. I got all the Borderlands uh, 1 and 2. Cool. Um, they just released the pre-sequel. So Which is a funny be, title. Yeah. Well, that'll be interesting. So I'm excited to play, uh, get my feet wet more into F- FPSs versus playing just like MOBAs and... Um, more strategy turn-based elements. That's usually where my home is, like Final Fantasy, Pokemon, like turn-based type stuff. But we're going to develop my reflexes a little better. <laughs> Especially since i got a new keyboard. I'm really excited that about is, it. That is a slick keyboard. Oh, man. yeah. It's gorgeous. A Razer makes great products. So now I have the matching keyboard and mouse, and they're backlit green. It's so nice. Anyway. Well, Dustin, um, how about you, buddy? The, in, in, in the year of our Lord... 2015. Are you you enjoying your hoverboard in Jaws 7? I I am not. um, I have no hoverboard. I have no Jaws 7. The Cubs are not going to win the series. Um, I'm very disappointed in that way. So is my uncle. But uh, Christmas break's been going on, so I've had a chance to catch up with a lot of things. I got to see the Hobbit movie, The Last of Them, Hobbit 3, Battle of the Five Armies. Colin, finally. Oh my goodness. Is it good? It's um, the most action y of all the movies so far. And, that um, didn't answer her question. Is I, it good? I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't think the. I think there are emotional payoffs in the movie, but you have to have watched the other six hours in order to have it. Like and, all the Lord of the Rings and. Well, no, just the other Hobbit uh, movies, really. Or you so, could just watch the Lord of the Rings trilogy, which are far better. I mean, I think everyone says that anyway. I, I, I'm glad it's over. I'm glad I've got all I'm that. Glad time. it's over. I really am. I mean, and I'm, this is. I'm speaking as a fan. Yeah, um, I know you are. And so all that time back into it. Uh, 
I, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna revisit and rewatch them. I'm sure at points in my life because I mean we love Middle Earth in my home, and it's just one of those things. But you'll probably rewatch the Ridge Tridge first. Yeah, absolutely. I, in fact, I just c- constructed my Comp Two class, and it's solely based on Tolkien works. Um, and so that's what really I'm, yeah, that's what I'm gonna do to my poor students. And uh, it's going to be a good time. You'll make some of them happy and some of them very sad. And, People know, sign up for Dustin's classes not knowing they're taking like something that should normally only be offered as a summer class. Right. Yeah, they take his class thinking they're just taking Comp 1. They find out they're taking Comp 1, Dracula edition. Right. <laughs> Which has happened before. That is a thing. It's a real thing. Yeah, uh, I know. Um, uh, this time it's going to be Comp 2, the Hobbit edition. Um, I'm working on a Batman edition right now, but that's a whole other story. Oh, you should make them read Hush. But the problem with it is this expensive graphic novels. I've got, yeah. I've got to figure a way around this where it's not so... Because um, they probably don't have them uh, at the school library. No, and that, that cost efficiency is something i got to work on. I've been, uh, Wait, you can make them buy it though, right? Yeah, I could, but I mean, how many graphic novels must they buy? Hush is... $25. Yeah, make them buy... Plus a textbook, plus maybe a make movie them or buy, two. Make them buy... If they only had to buy two graphic novels, it's still cheaper than most of their classes. I, I try to keep textbooks under $70, and most English comp textbooks are 50 what a, what a nice guy. So, I'm what just... What a nice guy. I, 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 yeah, English major, you buy you have to buy a lot of books, but um, usually you can get them pretty cheap. That's nice of you, though. Yes. You're a good professor. So, I, I try to take that in consideration hey. when I construct those classes. Hey. If you listen to our show and you're a collegiate professor, um, thank you, first of all. That makes us feel cool. Yeah. But also, you know, maybe don't be a dick. Some people are going to school on a budget. Keep in mind. Um, I've also been able to just do some rewatching of some things um, or catch them for the first time finally. I um, finally have gotten a season and a half into the Game of Thrones, and it is not a big deal to say Game of Thrones is good. I know, but I'm so excited that you're saying it because we've been trying to get you to watch it for two and a half years now. And, yeah, it's good. I mean, that, that's all I'm going to say. It's, it's, it's it, the it, West it, Wing meets Lord of the Rings, it right? It really is. It's real good. I'm yeah. probably more West Wing than Lord of the oh, Rings. Oh, definitely more West Wing, but by, still. By far. Um, I, I, would, I would like a little more high fantasy out of it. It probably just personally you'll get it but um, I'm not I'm not at all displeased with what's going on however it is sort of game of boobs the first the first half of the season and, the first season really is yeah and I get a little bored with that they get better about it but um, you know it hadn't been as bad but I'm up to the uh, birth scene uh, from the uh, the the oh the, 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 the red the, wom- the red woman yeah. yeah the priestess of the Lord of the Light red woman is that what she's called oh, I heard God what is I always call her the Red Woman because her name's kind of hard to say. Yeah, yeah um, it doesn't matter. The, the, the Lord of the But she Lord gave birth to a weird shadow Sauron creature. Yeah, and, that's uh, a cool episode. And so, how about the end of that episode? Am well, I right? That's how it ends. I mean, yeah. Oh, you haven't got to the next one. I'm cliffhanging right now oh, man. as we speak. Man, text me when you get to that next episode. And I was processing my way through a uh, Nightmare on Elm Street rewatch, mm-hmm. and then Netflix dropped the first eight Friday the Thirteenth films. Oh, shit. wow, that's. A- Wow. And I watched them all. Oh my god. And uh, they're not good. No, of course they're not. They're not as bad as I, I feared they would be. But um, Tropy McTroperson and all that sort of thing. Lots of fun. Um, I, I have more love for part six, Jason Lives, than I used to. Um, I just realized how meta it is now. And it's is it really? Of, it's kind of fantastic. That's cool. And it's a little funny. Um, eight is goes to hell, right? Eight is takes Manhattan. Nine is goes to hell? I think so. That's right, because... Tin is in space, which is so good. Right. Um, so there you have it on uh, on that. Um, I had something else. Oh, finally, I finally caught Gone Girl. It took you. Oh, a while. that's a. 
I know. Wow. It's, okay. it's, uh, I just, you know, there's a I'm lot. surprised I saw a movie before you. No, he's, <laughs> got, he's got two kids. There's little time and lots of movies and classes. And he, he can't exactly take his children to Gone Girl. Not really. I, I could have. Ew. Then he'd be my dad, and you don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, I, you know what? I don't. I, it's a really good movie. It's probably the only movie that I've seen that will probably be nominated for Best Picture that probably should be that I've seen so far. Um, there's but, a butt coming, yeah. But. I, you, you know, I, I've, I've questioned myself at this, and I, I still haven't arrived at a conclusion, but the charge of misogyny uh, against Mr. Fincher is real. Oh, yeah. Now, I, 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 I'm I not going to say the film's there. an overall or overt misogynist text. I think, for one thing, he has a cynical view of humanity in general and that's, deals with female characters more often than many directors do. That's And that's the thing. I don't think he's a misogynist. I don't... I think he's... Um, I don't think he likes people very much. Right. I think, let me rephrase that. I think he loves people. I think he sees how terrible we can be. Because he isn't a schmuck and actually makes an effort to deal with female characters, that can come across as misogynistic, but I think if you look closely at all of his films, all of his characters are bad people. Well, yeah, like I said, I mean, there's a lot of badness to go around. But that being said, uh, it, it's definitely something that's niggling in the back of my mind that makes me pretty uncomfortable. Well, me and Dustin are going to talk about this off mic. The listener, um, if you feel the same as Dustin, feel free to message me on Twitter. I'll, I'll be happy to have a discourse with you about it because I think it's incorrect. Well, I'm um, not sure. And I, I'll be the first person to call a movie or a director or a misogynist. I mean, to, to, to be very clear, though, I haven't arrived at a place there. Yeah. I'm just saying that to make the charge is valid. Okay, okay. Well, I'd like to talk about it more with you, uh, Dustin, but also you, the listener. Seriously. Which actually reminds me of my New Year's resolution. Uh, I do sort of the host-moderator um, job on the show, and one thing I've been remiss in doing the last six months or so is making sure everyone knows how to follow us individually on Twitter. Um, Alex is at Alex V Books mm-hmm. at Twitter. Um, Arthur Gordon is at RNDTBL, as in Roundtable Review. That's all one word. Uh, Dalton is at Doll underscore Stew. That's as in Doll Stew. Stew made at Barbies. Yes. Uh, specifically. Spelled how it sounds. Oh, and Shane, thanks for the follow. I know you're. I have your connection now in terms of why I know you, and that this is why, so thanks. And um, finally, you can follow me at Dustin underscore Sells. That's S-E-L-L-S. I'd love to keep the conversation going. We get to pick a film for next week. I get to be the picker of the film in question, and we are continuing with our month of movies that none of us have ever seen, and we actually discussed doing this film anyway, and I want to go ahead and let it be my pick. We're going to look at Clive Barker's Nightbreed next week. Uh I'm excited about this. Um, it's just recently started uh, uh, streaming on Netflix, listeners, so you have easy access to the it. The director's cut. It I'm is told. the director's cut. Um, because there is a difference, apparently. Um, this is kind of famous in nerd culture in a lot of ways. So So are we watching the right? Apparently. Yeah, apparently. Uh, okay. We're going to... Listener, if they're both streaming, watch the director's cut, because that's what we're going to talk about. If they're not both streaming, then there's your answer. Um but hopefully we'll be watching the director's cut. But we're going to watch Nightbreed either way, which is apparently a very interesting film. Interesting is an, an adjective. Yes. Have you watched it already? I have not, because okay. it's a rule. Well, I know, but you usually watch things early. Uh, sometimes, but yeah, not in this case. Well, this will be exciting. So I'll be cold as everyone else is coming in. Cold as a witch's tip. Yes. You're welcome. Uh, th- Thank you so much. Well, dear listener, I hope you've had a good time hearing our show and our conversations surrounding The Last Stand, and I hope it proves, if nothing else, that even a bad film can be a uh, ground and a fostering of a good conversation, because the movies matter so much more than 90 minutes of just big, dumb shooting and action, 
and uh, that sort of thing. And so we hope that you do that. And in the meantime, catch a great movie with somebody you care about. And we will see you next time. Hopefully an action movie. Seems like these days the whole world's on fire. Things keep blowing the hell up. And while all those rubberneckers and looky-loos stand slack-jawed staring, the real men have the nuts to walk away. Don't look at explosions They blow things up and then walk away Who's got time to watch an explosion? There's cool guy errands that they have to walk to Keep walking, keep shining Don't look back, keep on walking Keep strutting, slow motion The more you ignore it, the cooler you look Mr. Neil Diamond. <laughs> Where are we? Cool guys don't look at explosions. They stride forward in their diamond-covered boots. They wear jumpsuits of glittery rhinestones and walk away in slow motion. Keep walking, you're cruising. Cherry, cherry, sweet Caroline. Tencel walks. Will Smith walks. Mark Wahlberg is wearing a hat. Keyboard solo. J.J. Abrams. Yeah. Now you're talking. Okay. Because cool guys don't look at explosions. They're hot, but their heart is chilled. Walk fast from that boring explosion. And don't think about the people you kill.